Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and in the infamous words of Tom Miller, we're back, we're back, we are bang. It's your first instalment of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast for season 23-24. I mean, it can't get much worse than last season, can it? So, it needs to be better, just via proxy. But yes, absolutely delighted um, that we're back, um, joined by my two guests, which we'll introduce shortly. Um, but just before we do that, we'll start off uh, with a mention of our sponsor, Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years. And we're absolutely delighted that we're back in our podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com. And you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a stirring new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. So, now that's turn time to introduce my guest. First up, Dougie Kinnear, a familiar face. Dougie, how are you doing? How's your summer been, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, good summer. Managed to get away with the family over to Portugal and yeah, Alvor. It was lovely. Roasting hot, but uh, it was lovely. Um, I was actually away for two of the friendlies, so that's my, my first excuse for not seeing two of the friendlies. Is that I was on holiday. <laughs> um, I'm going to get I'm going to get the first dig of the night in to, to my mate Rob. I came back from holiday, and because I hadn't seen any of the games, he made a a very strong case for me going along to Ibrooks last Wednesday to to catch the Olympiacos game. So it's his fault that I was dragged along to Ibrooks in a cold, wet, miserable evening and had to sit through that. It was bad, and don't worry, we'll, we'll touch on that later. Um, Dougie, you've already sort of introduced Rob, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Fawcett, making your debut um, on the podcast. Frankie says I have to go easy on you, but we'll see how, how things go through uh, the night. How you doing, Rob? It's good to have you on. I love it to meet you. Um, Craig, thanks very much for having me. Um, as Dougie says, it was my fault. I don't usually do friendlies, um, but it was it was one of them. Too good an opportunity to pass up to see some of the players and Deeply regret it now that we've done it. <laughs> Aye, well, that—that's what um, the Man United manager said, wasn't it? We don't do friend, uh, we don't do friendly matches at Manchester United, and I think a day later get bet off uh, Wrexham. So that was good for them. Yeah. Um, but no, Rob, we'll start with you. Just um, going on yesterday's game, the Hoffenheim game. We don't want to go too much in it because we know this is the first one that we've done so far this season, and there's been four friendlies, which is been quite a mixed bag to be honest probably more in the poor side but um, two each draw yesterday I didn't see the whole game, I've seen the highlights um, but you know it's kind of becoming a familiar feel of pre-season where it's like first half was bad, came in in the second half and it was a strong finish at least Yeah, no it was literally that that game of two halves um, you know, terrible in the first half I think we were continually caught out by Balls in, balls in behind the fullback. Um, you know, Yilmaz has made a couple of couple of errors, but he's not the only one in the team that that was at fault either. I think he's got to be a little bit stronger, especially at that first goal. But it, it, I've been rocking myself backwards and forwards, you know, throughout the throughout the friendlies and the in the preseason, just saying, remember, it's only a friendly. Remember, it's only a friendly. And I'm hoping that when the competitive games come. You know the team. The team's going to be picking it up a bit of a notch because there's some players in that and on the pitch at the moment that you know don't look the same certainly from last season. No, you're right. It's it's been a weird preseason. Um, it, it just I don't know. I mean, I get there's a lot of positivity around the club with all the signings, which will come on, and there should be. We should be positive, but. You know, it's very easy for that to sort of go away, especially at Rangers, because <laughs> you know what we're like. I mean, Wednesday, it's the end of the world. We're absolutely rubbish because we just get gubbed off Olympiacos. On Friday, we're signing Danilo for, what, five million quid, and everything's amazing. Then on Saturday, we're 2-0 doing at half-time. It's the end of the world. We come back to each, and we're going to do a quadruple this season. So it's like, it's never it's never in between with Rangers, is it? You're always either up here or you're down there. But, um, nah, I mean... You touched on it there, Rob, and I don't know why I didn't actually put this on the agenda because it's probably the burning thing that Rangers fans are thinking of most is that left-back area, Barisic and Yilmaz. Um, you know, for me, it just seems Barisic is, I don't know, just, just finished, I think. A couple of players there, I think him, Lundstrom, Davies, just kind of at the point now where I'm like, you can go if you want. Um, but, you know, Yilmaz as well... I think there's been a lot of positivity around him and rightly so because of his his age, his profile and to be fair, he had performed pretty well but 
he's not covered himself in glory in the last couple of games either. And it just seems like, you know, you've got two players there on big wages, costing big money, and neither of them, it seems, are actually good enough to get in the starting eleven. Yeah, I think I think the, the Yilmaz one's interesting because he definitely offers a lot going forward. I think the thing that disappointed me at the weekend was just the, it was that desire to win the ball. You know, Campbell, in the first goal, Campbell's made a decent block attempt for the, for the ball through. It's kind of running clear. You can see Kramaric is coming in, go through the man and the ball, clear it. But he tries to do like a wee flick over and Kramaric just gets it, you know, up and it's an easy tap in for him. Um, and the second goal is not all his fault. You know, I definitely think Lundstrom and even Raskin could be doing more to cut that danger out before the ball gets over to his side. But, you know, he's got Cantwell inside him and he's shown the guy down the line to the to, to the byline to cross it in and it's an easy tap-in. You know, Tav stopped there um, because Balogun's gone down holding his face, but you keep going and keep with your man. It's just, it's the basics that I think across all the games that we've seen so far that, that are the thing that's most disappointing. I mean, you know, we don't seem to be getting that right in the pre-season and you'd like to think that you know, coming up for the game against Kelly, we're going to have a full week to work on that. So hopefully, you know, that's going to be the focus for the next week with Bill and the team is to make sure that that defensive unit, whoever's going to play, um, is going to be solid. Because going forward, I think there are definite signs of improvement there. Um, you know, Lammers especially wasn't a signing that I was particularly excited about, but he's shown in the pre-season, you know, glimpses of quality that he's got. And especially in Hoffenheim, you know, there's a chance for Bessers in the first half. And it was his will to, to win the ball back in midfield that set that chance up. So it was really good to see that um, part of his game. So I think, you know, going forward will be good. But it's just that it's that defence that just still makes me worry a little bit. No, you're right. And that's the thing as well. We know what championship winning teams are built on 99% of the time. And that's a solid defence. You look at when we won the league a couple of years ago. So a clean sheet record for Scotland and I think Britain as well actually I think we only conceded about 13 goals or something like that in the league which was good but um, no thanks for that um, wonderful analysis of the game yesterday Rob because as we say you were the only person that actually watched it so you never really had a choice in the matter um, but Dougie we'll finally come on to you I mean for a, a transfer rumour anorant like yourself Dougie I mean it must have been the summer I love for you you must have been absolutely buzzing with all the rumours and all the deals happening We've made eight signings. I mean, I think on paper, to be honest, it's been a pretty, pretty impressive window. Fingers crossed, according to all reports, transfer number nine is going to be happening very, very imminently. Um, how would you rate the transfers, Dougie? What's your thought on them? Um, I think it's very difficult to rate the transfers until we see them in competitive action. But I think when you, you look at the positions we've strengthened, how the players have performed so far, I think it's looking good on paper. I do think there's a lot of realism required amongst the support at the moment when it comes to transfers from a kind of twofold perspective. First of all, I think it's got to be said at the beginning of the season, unfortunately, we are in a position where Celtic are still favourites for for the league and for domestic success. Um, we are the challengers this season. I think we need to make that very clear. That needs to be the mindset that we go into, that we need to challenge them for the title. Um, Celtic have a treble winning squad. And they have almost matched us pound for pound in terms of the outlay this year. Forgetting what they've what they've brought in, but from a, a kind of transfer spend, they've almost spent the same as us. So they they have they have strengthened um, their squad as as have we. When it comes to, to to the signings that we've made, a lot of them I don't know who they are. To be honest, you know, Rob just spoke about Lammers and Dessers. There, these are guys that I don't know who they are, but. Um, as someone that likes to do my research and sit, sits and watches YouTube and all that good stuff, um, they look good. They, 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 you know, you, you mentioned there, Rob, about Lammer being one that, that, that didn't excite you as such. He's the one that really did excite me. Um, when I've watched his footage, I think he's a type of player, as Michael Beale said, he's just not had the service, he's not played in certain styles. Um, I think he's the one that, in a Rangers team, he could, he could really excel. The one danger that I've got around around Lammers is the the role that he seems to be fulfilling within our squad right now. That's where we've seen Cantwell at his best, and I just worry around the impact that that the system could have on some players, and how, and particularly our key players like like Cantwell. You know, going back to what you said about the first goal, um, Robin, how it's the, it's the fullbacks that have been exposed. 
I worry the fullbacks are being exposed because we're asking too much of them because we're playing a very narrow formation at the moment. There is no width. The width is coming from the fullbacks, and at the moment, it doesn't look like one of the midfielders is coming in to support and make the back. You know, the two centre backs a back three when the fullbacks are pushing forward. So I, I think there's always a, a, a danger of over analysing pre-season, but I think there's there's a little bit of cause for concern right now around um, around the system for me. Um, just I touched on there, the other, the other concern around the system is is the lack of outball. When we were at Olympiacos on Wednesday night, it was the one thing that when we were defending and we got possession back, there wasn't that Ryan Kent, for example, that was that was looking for the ball. And, and, and um, I think that could be a concern, particularly in Europe, when, you, when you're defending and you're, you're not expected to c- control the possession, you are looking for that ball out from the back. I think there's a, there's a lot to be done at the moment, but I do think that's all part of the... The, 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 the realism that we as supporters need to need to remember. Um, there's a lot to be done because we've brought in eight players and I fully expect Steve Fuentes to be number nine, but I expect at least another one to make it ten at least, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, that's a huge, huge summer overhaul of the squad. Um, massive overhaul. Um, it's going to take some players' time to get up to speed. Dessel said it himself in his, pre- his post-match interview that he's still feeling that he's getting up to speed. I think fitness-wise, players are getting up to speed, but some players are going to have to get up to speed in terms of um, the system that they've been asked to play. And I, I think that's that's very apparent right now from pre-season. But I think these are the right games to play because I would rather be exposed in these games, our weaknesses being shown in these games, rather than when the season starts because we've got time to correct it. And I'll finish my bomb shell, which I, I, I like to do. The best thing about that Olympiacos game is that Bora Barisic and Ben Davies looked out of their depth because my biggest concern was that, that Beal was going to go into um, a, a massive season with, with Barisic and Davies planned as, as starters in our, our back four because they aren't good enough. It's areas that we need to strengthen and that's why I think that we will we will make a tenth signing because we need to strengthen that back four. Oh yeah, you're hundred percent right. We definitely do need another centre back. Obviously the rumours have been that it's, you know, Panzo or Trusty. Um, you know, we we don't know. Um I did find that a bit strange how that wasn't more of a priority signing that we were making. Um, considering we know oh, it's nice he just to leave to you. Thanks very much for that. <laughs> no, he's still there. Um but no it's uh, I did think that would have been one of the areas we'll be strengthened first of all. Do you know what I mean? I know obviously we lost Morelos and Kent on freeze and we had to strengthen up front, but you know, the fact that we've not made a sort of big marquee defensive signing yet for me is a slight cause for concern because of the injury worries that we had last season. And if you look at that game yesterday, we're finishing with Ryan Jack and John Lundstrom playing at centre back. We, we can't have that. I mean, you know, John Suter, he's given him number five, and I'm the type of person that really looks into his squad numbers. He's given him the number five, Hollander's number, because he obviously sees John Suter as the first choice centre half. I don't particularly have a problem with that, because I think John Suter's excellent, and I think he's been excellent pre-season. But we all know the, the issues with John Suter in terms of his injuries, and it might just be something that he can't help, but that's the that's realism part of it. You know, can he be a proper out-and-out Rangers number five for two, three, four years consistently. The likes, you know, that Connor Goldson's done, Tav, you know, at right-back as well, he's managed to do being consistent and playing games. I really, really hope he does. Um, but at the moment, we've got nothing to back that up and say that, yeah, he probably could. Um, yeah, on, on, on the suit of one, Craig, you know, when, when Rob was talking about Yilmaz for that first goal, it was, it was, it was half... I was half arsed when he tried to clear the ball, and mm-hmm. and that's what we've seen with Ben Davies at Celtic Park as well. And it's what I really like about Suter. He's one of these no nonsense centre backs that, you know, he 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 defends first and then thinks about um, you know creating from the back second. And and that's what I really like about Suter. I think Suter's one of the best centre backs in the league. He certainly was at Hearts outside of the old firm um, when he was when he was fit. But as you said, it's, it's it's about that reliability. Is he going to give us it for the full season? Um, I'll be honest, I've got I've got my concerns about that with Suter, but I think his um, uh, his lack of um, participation over in Germany, I don't think comes down to 
to an injury as such. I don't know if Beal outright said who it is that was impacted by this this stomach bug, but I do believe it was John Suter was, was one of them. It wouldn't surprise me if Ben Davies was the other because they did travel to Germany, I believe. Um, so I don't think we've got any concerns with Suter at the moment going into the season, whereas last year when, when the season started, he did have a, a recurring problem, which which obviously flared up in that first game of the season against Livingston, which kept him out for a, for a large part. Um, but we need to strengthen centre-back. But what I would say there is Rome wasn't built in a day. I think if you speak to any Rangers fan at the end of last season, I think the majority would say we had to prioritise that front line. It was the front line that we knew we were losing two of our two of our starting um, players and Ryan Kent and Morelos. Tillman then, then moved on as well. He went back to Bayern Munich. Um, so effectively, we lost our front three. So we had to go and go and spend money in that in that position. And unlike the the good old days of EBTs, we just don't have an endless supply of money. Um, so when we've prioritised our signings, we've went and spent big. There is absolutely no doubt about it. We have backed Michael Beal in this window. We're eight transfers down. Guys like Danilo and Dessers apparently are, are over five million pounds. That's a massive outlay. Um, on on transfers for Rangers and for Scottish football. Personally, I think Danilo is the marquee signing of not just Rangers this summer, but of Scottish football. I'm really excited to see Danilo. I'm very comfortable, like Rob said, about our front three and about our um, about the players that we have there. I think if we can get the system right. I think I think we've got the right personnel. I think the only way that we'll be able to strengthen in defence is if we move players on. And I think once we get Cifuentes in the door, I think that becomes a priority. I'm looking at a list right now of guys that we want to move on and then another list of guys that we could easily move on that that, that aren't performing. You know, um, In goals, we've got four goalies. At the moment, we only need three. I would ideally want to see McLaughlin leave. But unfortunately, it's that like Robbie McCrory's looking for first-team football, so we, we may see Robbie McCrory leave this summer. Um, there's another couple of the youngsters that will probably find their game time very limited when you think of Divine, King and Lowry. They may be kept around the squad because of that that uh, European squad registration in the, the, the homegrown rule. But there's guys like Kamara, Matondo, Sakala and then Scott Wright that we could lose from that squad and, and not really feel it, to be perfectly honest. I mean, Sakala is one of these guys that Rob and I, for 12 months, have, 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 have just argued about um, our thinking on Sakala. And right now, there's a lot of people saying Seema's, Seema's no better than Sakala. I think what we've got to remember with Seema, and although he's, he's a Brighton player and the concerns are that you're developing a Brighton player, um, I think we've got to remember with Seema, he's a guy that's just out of confidence. That's what we said on Wednesday night, watching him against Olympiacos. He wasn't making the runs that, that we've seen him at Slavia Prague, that we know he's capable of. But I think Seema's the type of guy, like a lot of our signings, that, that are going through a bit of a bad patch right now. Michael Beale's hoping to kind of wave a little bit of that magic dust and, and coach some of these guys to get the best out of them. I think Seema's one of these guys that will suit a 4-3-3 better than a 4-4-2. Um, and I think we need to have that versatility. But there's some names in there that you've already mentioned. Ben Davies, Borna Barisic, John Lundstrom. Dare I even throw in Yanis Hadji? You sell all of those players, that's a hell of a lot of money being brought into the transfer kitty again. If you sell all of those players, it's left back and centre back that you're strengthening with that money. And you're probably playing with about £10 million. So all of a sudden, you're going from a, a, a position of weakness um, and it's a position of weakness because we've just not had the money to strengthen it because we've been prioritising the front line rightly. But you sell those players, and I think Michael Beale knows exactly who, who he would want to bring in. And I think it's absolutely no surprise that the rumours of Jonathan Panzo and Austin Trustee have just not went away all summer. I think if we sell any of those players, you'll expect to see at least one of them in a Rangers jersey next season. Well, fingers crossed we do. I mean, Rob Duggy mentioned there about about the outgoings and you know um your Matondos and Davies and etc etc. I mean one thing that I'm really glad we've done actually is we've brought in Danilo, we've brought in Dessers first. You know, we've not waited to get rid of guys like Matondo or whoever. 
and then brought in the signings because we need we need players in that position. So we've we've went out, we've been proactive, we've got the signings done first, and now it's a case of we'll try and move these guys on. The problem is it's easy for us to say here, sell Barisic, sell Lundstrom, sell Davies, sell Matondo, blah 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 blah. These are all players who, you know, at one time or another came in as a marquee signing for Rangers or um were first team regulars at one point. They're guys on big wages and the most part out with well Barisic and Lundstrom, they're on long contracts as well. And it's people that are, you know, costing the club significant amounts of money. You can't just, you know, randomly sell them for two million quid. Like you're in football manager or playing FIFA, put them in the transfer list, there you go. It's difficult to move these guys on. And the issue that I think we may have probably have had is that clubs are looking at these guys saying, well, they've not kept their own backside for however many years or however long. Why why are we going to take a punt on them? I mean, Kent Morelos, Morelos especially is the biggest example. Just look at a club. We're not basically in August now. Morelos has they got a club two, three years ago. He's a twenty million pound striker, could have went down to England, could have went, you know, to Spain, whatever. He could have done pretty much whatever he wanted. Um that is a concern. I mean, out of the guys there, Rob, that me and Dougie have mentioned, what ones would you like to see turn from the squad? I think I think you're right, first of all, with that point, though. A player's only worth the money if somebody's going to pay it. You know, and that's I think that's the problem that we've got with the guys that we really want to get rid of. You know, you've got the likes of um, Matondo. I would, I would put Lund- Lundstrom in that category, apart for that six months run to the Europa League final. You know, I've, I've kind of struggled with him as a bit of a player. Yeah, um, and and one of the points I was going to make in the in uh, about the Hoffenheim game was that second goal. You know, he's got an opportunity to clear it. It goes through to Raskin, but it's just the, it's just his his approach just seems to be off, and he doesn't he doesn't seem to be that 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 player that we that we remember. And you've got Scott Wright. Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably look to I'd probably look to move him on. But it's how much money, you know. I think Doogie's right. We've we've gone backwards and forwards on the Sakala front. Uh, my only my only reason for putting him on the back of the list of people to get rid of is that he's he's contributed. You know, he's been one of the few that is quite happy to sit on the bench and come off, and he'll score against the jobbers. He'll get assists against them, and that sometimes are the teams that we've struggled against. You know, at least he contributes as a player. And I'd put I'd put those players ahead. You know, if you could get good money for Hadji given the options that we're going to have in midfield, you know, that's a that's a sellable asset given his given his, his, his heritage from a from a Turkish point of view. You know, there's always going to be teams sniffing at him over there. And um, but again he's just coming back from a long term injury. Um, you know, I think the, the 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 key position we need to strengthen is that defensive bit. And it wouldn't surprise me, you know, based on what you've seen in pre season, if if you did see a good left back coming in, a centre half coming in and then Barisic and uh, young man's being sold on if if we can get somebody to bid for them. Yeah, I mean it's that is a weird one. I mean, because but do you know what? On a more positive note, because probably gonna be a bit depressing tonight. It's meant to be the start of the season for God's sake. Um, but to be fair, on a positive note, like look at all these players that we're naming here. Like as I said before. At one point, they have either done well for Rangers or have came in as a marquee signing. The 12 months ago, Ravi Matondo, you wouldn't think that we would have been talking about Ravi Matondo the way that we've been for like the last six months or so, this time okay, last okay. year. That's why you can't judge anything on pre-season, because Ravi Matondo played West Ham and, and looked yeah. like a little beater. The, the year before that as well, we went and beat Real Madrid, uh, and then a week later, getting knocked out of the, the Champions League qualifiers against Malmo. And that's why, you know, as Bob was saying uh, earlier on around him, continually reminding himself it's just pre-season, it's just pre-season. When you hear the interviews from the players like Jack Butlin, they all know the hard work and the, the, the proper the, yeah. the proper stuff starts um, at, at Kelly away, which uh, which both Rob and I have been fortunate enough to, to secure tickets along to Rugby Park. So we'll, we'll start with a bang and then not get another single ticket through my dears until probably Livy away. <laughs> I think I think the other point is you know that you're right. We probably do sound a little bit negative. You know there were there were moments of really good play at the weekend though when Hoffenheim. You know when Danilo and Dowell came on the pitch, you know they combined really really well for that for that second goal. You know Dowell plays it with a lovely little flick into Danilo, 
one two back to him. He spreads out to Tav and Tav pings it in the box for Lamas to finish. It was a great little bit of play. And 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 if they continue to 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 kind of build in those relationships, then going forward will be a joy. You know, I think some of the players that we brought in are are gonna really add add to the creativity that we've got in the team. Like Doogie, some concerns about potentially lack of width and stuff, but we've got to trust the manager. That's why we're sitting here in the podcast and we're not in the dugout. You know, ultimately we're fans. You know, we've got we've got to put the faith in him and his team that he's gonna know what it's going to take to get us over the line and make sure that we he turns into a title winning team. You know, because that's the priority this year. We must win this title. Yeah. Rob, no, see what you said there around. See, see, see that point about the linking up though and how Danilo came in and he liked up lovely. That's what good footballers do, right? They 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 come in and they can show their touch and they can show their class straight away. But these are guys that don't know each other yet. You know, they've they've, they've only trained with each other for for a matter of weeks. Danilo mm-hmm. probably hasn't actually trained with his new his new teammates. He's came in, he's jumped on a plane, he's straight over to Germany and all of a sudden he's kicking a ball in a blue jersey. You know, these are yeah. guys that, that they, they've not gelled yet to, to, to kind of use that expression. Yeah. It's a bunch of guys that are good at football. They're all confident in their own ability. They're going out there. Um, they're playing their own game. I don't think we are going to see the best of this team until at least a couple of months down the line, which, yeah. you know, see if you compare it to, to last year, for example. We started brilliantly last year. You, you go back to the Champions League qualifiers against USG and NPSV. We had a very, very strong start, but it didn't take long until we were all sitting in this podcast criticising the fitness because whilst we started strong, you could see that the players hadn't been working on fitness during the pre-season. The exact opposite has happened this pre-season. You know, you're hearing Michael Beale saying the day before Olympiacos, he's, he's got the guys doing double training sessions, which meant that when they're, they're actually playing a a game of football in front of the supporters at Ibrox are all looking absolutely burst. Whilst we can all sit there and you know criticise the performance against Olympiacos, I just keep on saying it's pre-season. The most important thing is that they are ready for this season ahead. And I think what we'll see, and I, I kind of say this um, more hopeful than anything, I think what we'll see is this team gelling as months go on, getting better and better, but I think we won't see that dip in fitness that we seen last year. And actually the fitness should go from strength to strength. So for me, when that league campaign kicks off and when the Champions League qualifiers start against Savet or Genk, whoever it is that comes to Ibrox that, that following Wednesday after, um, after Rugby Park, whoever it is that, that we keep playing against, the most important thing is to win. The performances in these early stages when it comes to Rugby Park almost goes out the window and I think we just need to remember that when we're, we're, you know, we're tuning in for that first game. We're all excited. We're buzzing to see the players. But there's times in the game that there's a bit of a lull. There's not a lot happening. There's not that cohesion. There's not that kind of sexy football. I think we just need to remember that these are a brand new team put together. And I genuinely don't think we'll see the best of it until a couple of months down the line. I will yeah, dig so in. It's what, it's what the... Sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think the perfect example of that is look at Celtic under Postacoglu when he first came in. I mean, for the first sort of four or five months, there were signs there that they were that they were decent, but they never really gelled. We had a big advantage in the league, and then it just seemed to be about New Year's time that it turned completely one eighty. So it does take time, and that was a similar situation. You know, disastrous campaign the year before, new manager being brought in. You know, new players, new system, new style of play. So we are going to have to be patient problem is we're Rangers fans we're the least yeah. patient fan base in the world um, but to be fair I, un- I understand it because we're, we're at a really strange point now like as a club because you know we've had a recovery phase you know we've went through the divisions we've came back up we had a couple of really poor years when we first came back up we had the turn under Gerard. we gradually get better and better under him until we finally won the league you know, then the season after, just the emotions of that season, everything, you know, from losing the likes of Walter Smith and Jimmy Bell in the Europa League final. I was, like, by the time it came to that Scottish Cup final, fair play to the players for actually going out and managing to win that because as a fan, I was emotionally drained. So I couldn't imagine the toll that that would have taken on, on the players after a season like that. And then last season, it just just seemed to be a hangover for, for those two tumultuous events and you know we had two massive events two seasons in a row winning the league was huge we, 
we can't underestimate that enough. But at the same time, so was getting to a Europa League final. That was huge as well. And then yeah. just for having those amazing highs two years in a row, even though we lost the final, but it was still a high getting there, to last season where it was just, we had the high at the start, qualifying for the Champions League, then that first game in Amsterdam, the deflation. So we're at a really weird point now at a club where we've done our recovery part. We're now yeah. spending serious money and this is now where we need to go. We can't keep having any more excuses. We can't keep talking about 2012. Even the whole financial stuff with Celtic right now, Celtic do have a financial advantage over Rangers, okay? But we are still shopping in the same market for the same types of players, okay? It's probably guys between 5 and 10 million quid. I cannot see Celtic going out and spending more than 10 million quid on a player. They probably could do it, but... You need to remember that nowadays a guy that's signing for 10 million quid comes on in 10 million pound wages as well. They're going to be wanting 40, 50, 60 grand a week. And are Celtic prepared to, you know, put everyone's wages up to that level? I don't think that's something that they that they want to do. So I think maybe the issue that you've had with Celtic in the last couple of years is they've had a squad. We haven't had a squad. I think now we're actually naming all these players that we're wanting to get rid of the same time it's it's actually shown that we've got a massive squad which i think in a weird way is a positive you know and it's kind of like you're talking about the rangers of old where these guys that we're talking about you know barisic and lundstrom and davies etc they're all good players right i know some people probably like that are you sure craig are you sure ben davies is a good football player at the end of the day you must be if you've been signed by liverpool if you've played that well in the english championship you've got to have something about you right same with abby matondo the guy must have accumulated what between 15 and 20 million pound worth of transfer fees and he's only with 21 22 so he's got something about him you know i, I was on uh, the rangers assessment um sorry to plug uh, fellow um rangers uh, fan media podcast frankie but um i was on that and speaking to scott there and i said the biggest difference was the squad and i compared two players hacks ivanovich at celtic and scott wright at rangers they are two similar players in terms of their roles in the squad, sort of bit part players. But Haxivanovic cost two million quid. Haxivanovic was coming in, making an impact in big games, and the Celtic fans at times were also calling for him to start. When Scott Wright comes on, didn't he do anything last season apart from get that assist against Aberdeen in the League Cup final? So, you know, we're talking about, you mentioned it, do you, about Haji? Um, you know, we could maybe sell him, but. I kind of look at him as a player there that I don't want to lose because we need we need 22, 23 players that are all capable of getting in those 11 starting positions. We need at least two good players for every position. I think we've got Lammers playing there. We can have Hadji there as well. I can't well. Devil can play there also. I think even up front, we're looking really strong because we've got Dessers, we've got Darrell, we've got Roof, uh, we've still got Sakala, we've got Seymour. We've got all these names there. Um, and I think we've got a squad now, but I think you're right, Dougie. We are going to have to be patient with them, aren't we? Yeah, see, see, see the point about the squad, and I, I hate to compare this to Celtic because we've, we've done it a couple of times, um, but I think when you were talking about Ange Postacoglu's first season at Celtic, one of the things that, um, that he got absolutely bang on was his transfers. He actually got his transfers mostly right at Celtic. He had a very, very high success rate. Our success rate last season was absolutely atrocious. When you look at guys like Rabi Matondo, for example, um, they've just not done it for us. What we need from these transfers is a similar high level of success rate. We need we need at least six of these eight players so far to come in and really make a difference to the first team. That's when we'll be able to say we have a strong squad because it's all right just now looking at it and saying, yeah, we've got two players for each position, sometimes three for each position. We're looking very, very good. It's, very, it's all well and good looking at it on paper and saying we look very, very good. What we need to see now is that those players come out and actually perform in those positions. The other thing I just wanted to say, just, just look at the comments and one of the things that you guys were talking about earlier on was, was around um, the transfers and potentially who we could sell. And there's a lot of people in the comments saying things like, why would we even consider selling Sakala when Matondo's there, for example? One of the things that I would just hammer home is it, it depends if we get the bids for the likes of Matondo, for example. Whilst we are sitting here saying we should sell Matondo and keep Sakala, other clubs are not stupid when they're coming and scouting us, for example. Um, they're going to want to pick Sakala over Matondo as well, for example. And 
Um, if we want to generate funds, which we, we will want to, to strengthen elsewhere, such as defence, we will want to sell players rather than loan players. And I think one of the things that I expect to happen as well, as we get nearer the end of the window, is certain guys that we've not been able to move on, we may see them going out on loan. And I include Matondo in that. If we can't find a buyer for Matondo, it wouldn't surprise me if we, we loan him out towards the end of the, the window because I'm not convinced that Matondo will be in Michael Beale's plans for, for this season coming. Yeah, I don't think he will be either. I mean, I hope he won't be as well, but I mean, that's a, that's another thing. Um, nah, I know, look, you've made a, a few good points here. Again, it's just like, it's easy, like we've said, it's easy to say, I sell this guy, sell that guy, but it's, as you said, clubs are only stupid when they're coming in for these players. Um, one thing actually that I wanted to mention, Rob, and we've spoke about it earlier, as fitness, and again, that's another thing that's not on the agenda, but that's what's good about these things, you can just make it up as you go along. <laughs> um, obviously, we've, we've brought back uh, Matt Waller and the medical department. No, you know, Medical and fitness are two of the biggest things that we probably had to sort out. Um, I hope that we get the balance right, because last season it seemed that the players you know, weren't fit at all. But this season, it might have been no one to go down the route of where they literally can't move. Um, I know Brian Archer loves it. That's all he talks about is players spewing on the side of the pitch and all that. He absolutely loves it, but um, we do actually want them to go out and perform on the pitch. But that that's so important. And for me, Rob, it's like, you know, it's a marathon, no a sprint. It's going to be a long season. Um, we're going to be in Europe. We're going to be in some form of group stage. Um you know, we're going to most likely be going very far into cup competitions as well. And it really should be a realistic aim for us to go, you know, either in the Europa League or the Conference or whatever, relatively far in those competitions after Christmas. I think that is realistic now. So we're going to be playing a lot of games. Um, for me, I, I think it's a case of, you know, if we're hanging, I say, I say hanging in there, you know, as if Celtic are going to be about 50 points clear by December, but it's kind of the same every year. You know, if you're in the spot and you've got an old firm game left and you've got the initiative, or even if you're a couple of points behind, but you can still win that last old firm game, it's not a disaster. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, we'd all love to be 20 points clear, um, but, you know, we can't have the lockdown season every year, unfortunately. But um, fitness, Rob, what's your, your thoughts on, on the fitness of the players? I think I think it plays a massive part in how successful you can be towards that latter end of the season, especially if you've had a long European campaign. You know, I think you mentioned the word marathon. Now, people are going to look at me and say, what do I know about marathon running? Uh, but I've <laughs> to a few folk. Um, you got in before I did, Rob. <laughs> uh, that's fine. I knew you were, and I was lining up there, Diggy. But, you know, they don't just turn up and run the marathon. You know, they prepare and they train for that and they build themselves up to be able to cope with that distance. You know, so hopefully... That's what Bill and his team are going to be doing in this early start of the pre-season. It's all going to be about building as much of that base level of fitness that they can into these players so that when it does come to that latter part of the season, when we're really in it for the trophies, that we're going to be in a position where we can get over the line. You know, and you look at you look at that run to the, the Europa League final, you know, back to back extra time games when we beat Braga, played them in the in the semi, you know, and we looked a fitter team. You know, we absolutely steamrolled our teams at that point because of that work that was done in the pre-season. We've heard it for the likes at Arfield, you know, around the change in focus from a training point of view, away from that running to, to kind of get their base level up. So I think it's it's something that can't be overlooked. You know, you've got to make sure that the team is going to be able to to, to kind of call on those reserves when it gets into the, the nitty-gritty of the games. I think the thing that's really that is a positive from what I've seen in the pre-season, is that there has been some lovely passages of play. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, Lammers has looked really good on the ball. You know, Danilo's come in. Dessers is starting to get his fitness level up. You heard in the interview after the Hoffenheim game that he feels as if he's still a wee bit a wee bit behind the rest of the team. You've still got players like Roof and Lawrence to come back into the squad fully as well. You know, and, and a lot of people weren't fans of Balogun coming back into the team. But the one thing I said to Dougie when he signed is he's a winner. He knows what it takes to win the league. You know, Danilo coming in off the back of two two 
two league winners medals in, in, in Holland. You need them, you need winners throughout the team so they can bring the rest of the players on. So that fitness bit for me is going to be critical because hopefully we will have a really good run in Europe because I'd much rather take group stages and into the knockouts in Europa than qualifying for the Champions League because that should hopefully give us enough coefficient points for that Club World Cup Championship that we really want to get into because we talk about finances, that's going to be worth everything to us if we can qualify for that. That's a game changer. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that's, you know, that's a couple of Champions League campaigns worth of money there if we can get into that. Um, you know, I wanted to actually mention, because I seen this earlier on Twitter, um, Stuart Robertson and John Gregg at the um, unveiling of the Rangers Museum, I think opens tomorrow. When he's got tickets to it, yeah, me and my dad are going to log on Friday, so it's a a, a weekend next weekend of uh, of of the Mighty Rangers museum <laughs> museum unveiling on the, the Friday, the tour for the Friday for the two of us, and then off to Rugby Park on the Saturday. So um, already the wife's going to be delighted with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit, you know. You know the football season's back when the missus is raging. <laughs> Uh, I, I've, I've not got my tickets yet for it, but I will be. I will be getting them with the wee man taking them along. I, I wanted, I wanted to go and see it as well. I think it's you know, Dougie, I'll come to you on this one. Like a further point, obviously we're seeing the museum being done. New Edmonton House, they've got more gigs and all that lined up. The sports bar, and um, that's opening up in the club shop that I think is going to be open um, starting next year. Um, Scotty Arfield's even opening a boozer. It seems across for the Loudon, brilliant. Um, but in terms of infrastructure. And it's kind of been something that a lot of people spoke about this week. We seem to be doing a lot of good things now, even like the Preston going in there on Wednesday for the Olympiacos game. It's unrecognisable for what it was um, just last season um, in the new auditorium as well that they've got to conduct the press conferences. In my personal opinion, the club have done this with a view. I genuinely think this is to see if Ibrox can host a European final in maybe 10 years' time. Wouldn't get the Champions League because of, you know, the capacity, but absolutely a Europa League final, a Conference League final is something that I think the club are actually are wanting to do. And that was the only thing that was holding back Ibrox from having that, you know, status to, to host one of those finals was because the press area just wasn't adequate enough for, for a fixture of that magnitude. And, it, and it's true, I mean, some of the European games you were in there last year, um, especially because you know the teams from other countries do bring a lot of guys with them. The rooms were packed out; you can't move in it at all. Um, but it's absolutely, as I say, unrecognisable. Uh, unrecognisable. Uh, right? I can't even speak. Unrecognisable. <laughs> we got there in the end. That's all that matters. As we say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Eh? But uh, as and Dougie, just in terms of like infrastructure change. It's just a lot of positive things around the club at the moment for stuff like that, isn't it? I hadn't thought about the angle in a European final, but I think I think it's, it's not a bad shout. Could be a, well, do you know what? A... Willie Hills refused to take a bet on it. I, I, I sent him a DM on Twitter saying, oh, can you offer me odds in Ibrox to host a European final in the next 10 years? And they said they were only going to give me a prize for it. So maybe they know something that we don't. It could be a club final, like a, European, like a, a, a Europa League final. We, yeah. I mean, honestly, anyone that went across to that Absolute hellhole in Sevilla will know that it doesn't take a good stadium to host a final in Europe, but it could be an international final as well. There's so many talks of of Euros and and, and a World Cup coming to to UK and Ireland. Could be that that, that Ibrox is is one of the stadiums chosen, which is the age old problem of having two cities, two two um, elite stadiums in in Glasgow um, hosting hosting international games, and um, the only two five star stadiums in in Glasgow, I should add. Um, which is great to see Rangers continuing to upgrade Ibrox to continue to be the the best stadium in in the country. Um, but what I would say is a big investment. You know, everyone's looking at the the transfers as as a big spend. Um, we needed to go and spend money on the pitch because it's useless having an amazing stadium um, if the, the the standard of football on the pitch is terrible. But I, I think it's a positive that we've we've invested in the stadium as well because it was neglected. It was neglected under the, the latter periods of David Murray year and it was certainly neglected um, after 2012 as well. And it's it's only been in recent years that we've been, been able to to give it that lick of pain, been able to bring it back to the standards that, that Rangers belongs. Rangers is a club that sets the standards. Um, I was fortunate enough to go along to the, the fan engagement forum, which was held in the Edmondson House 
And believe it or not, despite walking past it almost every single, every home game, get into Copeland front, um, it's the first time I've stepped foot inside New Edmondson House um, in terms of that kind of um, the auditorium area you referenced. And it's decent. It is, it is very good. There's, there's still improvements to be made in terms of they want to do the outdoor area for, for, for that one day of summer that we might get and you can have a drink outside. But they want to put the screens outside and so forth as well. And it, it just it just creates what we've wanted at Ibrooks, um, which is a, a match day experience. You know, people have complained about um, certain things, about the bar not being particularly big, about it being plastic cups and, and all these good things. What you've just touched on there about the sports bar, you've got to remember, by the time this is all done, there's going to be facilities for everyone. There's going to be the fan zone that your families can go to because one of the one of the games that so I've got a, a really good mate down in Milton Keynes who came up with his boy. I can't remember what game it was now, but we came up and I hadn't seen him in about a year and we agreed to go for a drink beforehand and his wee boy was with us who's about 10, 11 and um, nobody would let you in because he was under 18. That's what Edmondson House gives you. It gives you a place to be able to take your family to beforehand which is brilliant. The sports bar will give you a bar to be able to go into. If you don't want to be around the kids, you're there with your mates, you want to go for a beer, you want to talk about the game before and after, that's where you go for that. And if you've got a bit of money behind you or you want to make a very, very special occasion of it, you go into one of our many hospitality suites, which are continuing to be updated. This is brilliant for fans to be able to go along to and and, and create a, a kind of match day experience. But what it's also brilliant for is bringing money into the club. And all that money continues to come into the club because it's important that we we have a constant revenue stream. You know, the kits and the season tickets has always been that revenue stream for us. But on match days, being able to have all these facilities, tell you what, it's going to bring in a lot of money. Um, and it's great to see. And um, it's a good reflection of the club as well because when you've got supporters of away teams coming up for friendlies, the Newcastle fans, they were all speaking highly around Ibrooks and of New Edmondson House. Likewise, if you've got a celebrity, for example, you are putting celebrities into very neglected-looking hospitality suites. These guys that potentially aren't Rangers fans are there for the experience are probably going round a number of stadiums. And I would have Ibrooks over any of these Meccano kind of stadiums any day. But the big difference is when they're in these brand-new hospitality suites in their Meccano stadiums, it looks the part when you're in it. All of a sudden, you've got the Sky, the sky Lounge and you've got um, the Gordon Ramsay restaurant and all this good stuff. That second to none, when you have that experience in there, you've got the aesthetics and then you go out and you look at Ibrox Park, that becomes a very, very appealing um, prospect for for neutrals, um, but also your richer element of the Rangers fans that want to come in and really invest in. Um, all this is, is only good for Rangers Football Club, which is um, ultimately what we all want. Yeah, and that increase in turnover, Dougie, is going to be important as well because... You know, we've seen um, financial fair play teams being banned from European competition. You know, if you can't find ways of increasing your turnover, increasing your revenue that doesn't solely rely on selling players, then you're not going to be able to get the quality in or pay the wages that potentially is going to help take you to the next level. So anything that we can do to increase that is is definitely going to be a positive. And I know Bizgrove has had his detractors, shall we say, with the way that he's approached things. But there's no doubt that he has done his job and more in, in generating revenue for our club. On, on the FFP, I think it's a brilliant shout, to be honest, because Rangers are on the watch list for FFP. So, you know, all the supporters that, that continue to say about the board having backed and all this good stuff, they've got to remember we can only spend what's within our limit to spend as well around what you're bringing in as income. And that's why this is all so important. And as you said, you've just seen Chelsea get a £10 million fee, FM, and you've just seen Juventus kicked out of European football for next season. So it's very, very important we stick within those guidelines. Otherwise, there'll be repercussions. And all this stuff is brilliant for us to be able to bring in that regular income that allows us to go and spend more money each year. No, absolutely. And speaking of James Bisgrove, that'll take us on to our next point, which everyone loves talking about. And that's the old firm ticket allocation debate. It's reared its ugly head again this week. Um, I don't actually think that we've discussed it. I, I think I know I've discussed it on Jersnet once before, but I don't think it. Well, obviously you wouldn't have been on now, but I don't think you were on it, Dougie either. So not actually sure what your guys' sort of positions are in the whole thing. I've been quite clear about it for the start. I want the old allocation back, right? That's my preference. Um, but I understand why the Rangers board, you know, 
have done what they've done. Um, you know, I'm I think I'm quite a balanced person. I can see it from from both sides. Um, you know, for whatever reason they started to do it in twenty eighteen, you know, that was that was their decision. But now it's just getting into the realms of ridiculousness. I think you've seen the last two games now, well, when you include this one, it'll be the last two games at Ibrox where Celtic are going to refuse tickets. Um, I think James Bisgrove has actually came in and it seems anyway from what he was saying at the fan engagement that you were at, Dougie, that whilst we might not be able to go back to the old allocation specifically, there is scope to make the allocation a wee bit bigger. And I think we Bisgrove is, uh, in my opinion, he sees us as, you know, stepping stones. So Celtic knew that this upcoming season... Rangers couldn't do anything about the allocation because we'd already sold season tickets there, right? Um, so I think the way that Bisgrove might have seen it is, right, this season we'll do like 700 fans. Then if that works, maybe the next season we can go up to something and then maybe the next season something else. And it can be a gradual process. What you've got now is a Celtic board just throwing their toys at the pram and saying, give us a full broom one stand or we're not taking in any fans now. That's not going to get anything resolved. And Celtic are masking behind this fan safety issue, which, quite frankly, I think it's a nonsense. It's classic Celtic trying to play the victims, as always. But, for one, how, how are you supposed to do that? Rangers have followed every protocol imaginable to ensure a safe experience at Ibrox. Rangers can't be held responsible for a couple of idiots chucking a bucky bottle on, on the pitch or whatever. Um, that's people's individual responsibilities. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if safety was an issue at Ibrox, then Ibrox wouldn't be granted a licence to play football games. So there's no issue with the safety concerns at Ibrox. And my theory around it as well is, if Celtic are so concerned about their fan safety, why do they want 10 times as many supporters in an apparent unsafe environment? Like... I don't understand the logic behind it. It's like, yeah, they're saying Ibrox is unsafe. It's the worst place in the world. We're going to get attacked left, right and centre. So you then want more Celtic fans to be in a position where that might happen to them. For me, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I would like it to go back to the old allocation. But at the end of the day, I understand why the Rangers board are, are, are standing firm on it. They also can't be seen to, to be given into Celtic's demands. I think we've heard rumours in the last few days as well that despite... Celtic refusing tickets for at least the first game this season is that Rangers are still going to ask for their allocation for Celtic Park and I think that's pretty reasonable because um, for me if Celtic want to throw their toys at the pram and say okay we're not going to um, accept tickets that's fine but just because they're doing that you know doesn't mean that Rangers fans shouldn't have the opportunity to go over there and pay 60 quid to sit behind a pole for 90 minutes but um I don't know, Rob. I mean, it's just something that comes up again and again. And it's like, I understand people's frustrations around it and what have you. And it's easy for people to say, oh, the club should just get together and sort something out. James Bisgrove has just tried to do that. He, he's tried to, to, to say to Celtic, right, well, you know, we'll do something, we'll have a chat, and Celtic are just going in all or nothing. That's not how negotiations work. You know, you try and come to a compromise, and at the moment... The Celtic board just aren't doing it, uh, doing it, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think I think I don't think we'll ever see the old allocation simply because of the number of season tickets we've now sold for the Broomie. You know, mm. that's going to be that would be a huge loss of revenue because ultimately it's only Celtic to fill that stand. You know, you're then having to rely on people to to buy them on a game per game basis when we don't have that. Um, you're right. I think we should be accepting the allocation at um, at, at that midden because. You know that's the rules of the SPFL. You know we've we've offered Celtic have refused. Um, I think the atmosphere does suffer because we don't have the old allocation. There's no denying that. But it's 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 one of those things. You know we've ultimately got to look after our club, our fans. You know a lot a lot of our fans are now seeing games because that allocation's been cut. And I know they did it to generate revenue. It, it's a hard one. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see it go back. It would be good to increase it slightly if we could to like the the European allocation, but you're going to have a lot of unhappy punters that have season tickets in, in in the Broomie. It's the same as the singing section moving to CF three potentially. You know, you're 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 moving 
you're moving fans from one section of the stadium to another. You're, you're never going to be able to keep everybody happy. And that's where yeah. I feel, I'm glad I'm not in James Bisgrove's position. That was a low blow bringing that one in it, Rob. Oh, I forgot you sat there, Doogie. Sorry. Uh, cheers. But, but Craig, see, 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 see the point that's right. So I, I obviously sit in CF3 and at the, the fan engagement forum, I asked the question of the the representatives of Rangers that, that were attending the forum around um, what that means for supporters of CF3. If they did decide to move the singing section to that area and move the Union Bears to that area, what does that mean for the supporters that currently sit in CF3? Because my interpretation is that they would just swap BF1 for CF3. And if there's this constant debate around returning to previous old firm ticket allocations, as somebody that's always sat in the Copeland, my dad has sat in the same seat of Copeland since the day it was built. Why should he be moved to Brimland for Brimland to then be given to Celtic in a few years' time, of which he would then miss out on a, um, a Celtic ticket, which, let's be honest, it's the big, biggest game of the season for us. So to, to Rob's point, I just think there's too many disappointed Rangers fans, or too many Rangers fans to disappoint now for it to ever return to the old the old ticket allocation. And James Bisgrove outright said that to me at the, the fan engagement forum. It was actually one of the clips that was uploaded to the Rangers website where he said, we will never return to the old allocation and actually got a round of applause around around the, the new Edmiston House from, from supporters because whilst I understand your point there around um, the atmosphere does suffer, right? It does suffer, and I think, as, as away fans want to go to Celtic Park, I think it's an experience that we miss out on as well, but as, as season ticket holders we pay a lot of money to, to back our team and I think we need to show a bit of loyalty to these fans that, that, that continue to back the team and that have those seats just now. Um, I I think so, my, my final point on it right is I completely love the fact that Rangers are, um, are wanting to request our, our tickets to Celtic Park because I think it'll be really, really interesting to see what Celtic's response is as to why um, they would not be prepared to give Rangers tickets for um, for Celtic Park because, as Rob said, it's the SPFL rules. Um, it, it's not a bit of tit for tat where just because we didn't take the tickets for, for, for Ibrooks means that you don't get the tickets for Celtic Park. That's not how it works. The tickets are on offer for you at Ibrooks. We have a designated door that allows you to walk in to a safe passage inside Ibrooks and have a dedicated concourse for you inside Ibrooks. That is what safety is, Craig. The, the nonsense around bucket bottles being thrown, that happens at Celtic Park as well, I'll tell you. But this whole safety element, Rangers can guarantee that safety and through one door in a safe concourse, can Celtic. Absolutely not. We've seen videos um, of past games at Celtic Park where, you know, as you mentioned there, it's, you know, it's tight, it's cramped. Um, not to mention the actual experience you're getting for a lot of people sitting behind a pole. Okay, um, I just wonder if that's the reason why the game's not why Celtic don't want to be giving Rangers fans tickets. Quite possibly. Um, you never know. You never know. You don't know what goes through these people's minds at times. But see, at the end of the day, I, like I know Celtic rejected it for safety concerns the last time. See, at the end of the day, right? If they're that genuinely concerned about safety, then. Ibrox shouldn't they be getting granted a license to play football, right? And we know that that's ridiculous, right? And that is a safe environment, etc. Right? But how how can they? This is what I don't understand. How can they just say nah, safety concerns, blah 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 blah? Rangers can show the SPFL they've got the license and they've got the paperwork, everything in writing. You know, following legislations and laws to say we have done everything we can that's possible to. Um, ensure safety um, for supporters. So I, I just don't understand how Celtic can turn around and use that argument because of a couple of idiots that have done yeah. that have done stuff. Those couple of idiots do allow Celtic to have a, an upper hand on us, though, and I just wish the idiots would would stop it. So, say for instance, Celtic don't take the allocation for the first Old Firm game, which comes around very very quickly. Um, I was looking there to see if it was on the screen. Is it? Early September, third of September. Third day. So third of September. I hope if they don't take it, it's squeaky clean. Ibrox is squeaky clean because in one of the games that Joe Hart was was a goalie and the Copeland right in front of us, somebody did throw a bottle at him, and it just gives them all the the evidence to to continue to create this false narrative around the safety of Ibrox and Rangers fans being thugs. We should all go there and. 
other than singing songs. Um, we should we should all go there and make sure that we do not give them any cause for um, for for, for um, more media headlines. Yeah, and we know the media love to stuff things up about Rangers, don't we? Rob, no, any they last... don't, do they? A good old friends at the Daily Record, eh? Uh, Rob, you get any last thoughts on the, this nonsense? Um, not not on the not on the the, the ticket allocation front, but. Uh, one thing just to spread a little bit of positivity. So Dougie mentioned the Avocat era was the biggest rebuild he could remember. The season after um, we got to Manchester was another one that I could. Now, the Avocat season, we bought in eight players. We won a treble. That season with Smith, we actually brought nine players in. We got a double. So hopefully that's going to be a good omen for us moving forward this year. I, I love that, Rob. Yeah. I mean, it could be 10 players then if we get to Fuentes and then get that centre back. So we went for 8, 9, 10. So aye. you never know. But like I've said before, you can't predict how a season's going to go. We've done the right things on paper. We've spent money in areas that it needs to get spent on. You know, it's just about go time. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing here on the Gelsnet podcast every week until the end of the season. But guys, that'll, um, that'll wrap us up tonight. It's been a really good discussion. It's been great to be back on. I think I just went over an hour as well. So um, good timing as well. Dougie, thanks as ever for coming on, mate. Cheers, Craig. It was a pleasure. Good to, good to get the podcast up and running for the season. Let's hope it's a good one. Absolutely. And Rob, how was your debut? It was brilliant. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. And I'll save you the top-off celebration. I'll do that once we're off camera. <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair enough what happens in Zoom stays in Zoom as they say but no thanks guys very much for him um, for coming on it's been a great discussion as I say we're going to be back as ever every week giving you free Rangers fan media content on Friday it'll be Brian um, with our pal Alec Anderson to preview that trip to Rugby Park do you might miss it because we'll be gallivanting in the new museum but I'm sure he can catch it on YouTube and all these other podcast providers just like you guys can as well but Thanks for listening tonight. Thanks for tuning in. It's been great to get back and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye for now.